Y'all, we live in difficult times. There's war, political unrest, the pandemic, poverty, families being torn, communities ripped by gun violence and people dying every day. Police, injustice, it's all bringing so much pain. But y'all, we can look inside our minds and we can understand who we are, become better, and do this thing like we've never done it before. But it all starts with our mental health and I know we can do it. I believe in you because I believe in me and I believe in us. Hello everyone, my name is Gerald McGee of Everyday People Individual and Family Counseling Center and we are celebrating 10 years of Everyday People Counseling and we're so happy to be here, located in the Shore Cultural Center in Euclid, Ohio, the big red building in the middle. I'm so excited to have Naisha Perry with us again today, the founder of Triumphant Counseling, and she also has a book. <laughs> and, I do. And, and so we're going to be talking today about setting expectations for self-care yes. and how we actually go through that process of making it happen. Because it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to actually have something in place to make it happen. Somebody say make it happen, y'all. Make it happen. Come on, y'all. Let's, let's, so let's make it happen. But before we get all off into that, we're going to set the table with a little bit of attitude of gratitude mm -hmm. and Today, our attitude of gratitude is learning how to master what you have control of and knowing what you don't have control of. Because mastering the things that you have the ability to control will make your life a whole lot easier. Look, y'all, if we don't experience any stress in life, that means we're dead because we're going to experience stress one way or the other. But we can manage how much we stress by understanding what we have control of, becoming efficient at managing those things, and leaving the rest to somebody else. That's right, y'all. So let us learn to master what we, control, we, what we control so we can become the best versions of ourselves. So with that being said, Naisha, how you doing? I'm good, Gerald. How you doing? I am doing good. I can't complain too much. Yeah, you didn't pop your collar and everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah got, that, <laughs> got that Carolina blue on. Yeah, see, people may not know this, but, you know, I'm a old school, I guess I would say old school kid from North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina, graduated from college in North Carolina, and I came to Ohio, and, and I've been here, and I, I've been here ever since then. And I know people say to me all the time, well, how is somebody from North Carolina in Ohio? Because I wanted to be in an environment like what I saw on Charlie Brown. In an environment where there was snow and, 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 and know what that was like and know what that felt like and everything. So I was amazed. But I'm going to tell you, when I first came here, I did not realize how much it would snow. Now, I don't snow that much now, but when I first came here, it seemed like it snowed and it snowed and it snowed. Mm -hmm, and it did. And it snowed. <laughs> and then I was like, dad, dad, yo, yo, where the grass at? When, 
When <laughs> where the grass at? When is the grass gonna come back out? And this other thing that I did, I thought it was kind of crazy, was well, I didn't think it was crazy at the time. Being from North Carolina, I had got some tickets to a Cavs game. And it was snowing that day. It was coming down. So I called the I called the Coliseum trying to figure out if they was gonna cancel the game. Sorry, we're in Cleveland. And they didn't so that was a culture shock for me. They didn't do that in Cleveland. But understand, coming from North Carolina. As soon as they suggested there was going to be an inch of snow on the ground, people were running to the store, trying to bob everything in there, talking about they're going to be in their house for the next week and everything. You know, people getting out of school early. It's just like on. It's such a different atmosphere. So when I go down there now and it's snowing, I see how people reacting to it. I'll be like, why is everybody acting like that? It's just a little bit of snow. But... Anyway, but I'm doing good, Aisha. Okay, thank you for that. That's a little known fact. I never knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carolina, North Carolina. So let's get into this talk about how we establish a routine for self-care and boundaries. What do we need to do? Obviously, there must be some technique to it. In our last episode, we talked about the baseline. Yes. We talked about having a routine. The music had to have, have a baseline that flowed a certain way. Mm-hmm. So the music could be predictable. So we could, we could get a sense of where it was going. And we need to have that in our life in order for us to be able to have a quality life experience. One that will actually work for us. Yes. Our story will be one that it was our experience not just the reaction of somebody else's actions or somebody else's doing or somebody else behaving. No, but when we tell our story, we feel like our life was ours because we designed it no matter what our obstacles were. We made it happen in a way that we wanted it to be. So with that being said, because I like to talk a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about... (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about the house today. So we already set the foundation of taking care of ourselves, not only taking care of ourselves, but how to practice self-care. Then identifying the difference between what our limits are, what our boundaries are, and identifying the difference between who we are in our relationships, who we are as individuals. Now we're going to talk about, well, now that I know this and I'm ready to make these changes and I know I need to have better boundaries, but where do I start? Right. So today we are going to talk about the DBT skill. DBT is dialectical behavioral therapy in that module of interpersonal effectiveness. It talks about the FAST skill. So today we are going to discuss what it means and how to use FAST, F-A-S-T, for interpersonal effectiveness and maintaining our boundaries and our self-respect in our relationships. Yeah, interpersonal effectiveness, meaning my interactions with Yes, between interpersonal, between two people. Yeah, between two people. Yes, we want to get better at that. So let's let's start with. So where where, you you get us going here. All right. All right. So we're going to start with the F. The F in FAST stands for fair. We want to be fair. We don't want to go into our relationships, especially last episode we talked about when we have that emotional connection with others. We Mm -hmm. want to be good enough. We want to see, you know, be seen as good people. So when we're being fair, we're making sure that their needs are met. They're okay. And we are okay. 
when we don't have boundaries, we are just making sure everyone else is okay. As far as the codependency as well, everyone else is okay, but we are not. Yeah, we're 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 not okay. Yeah, we're looking out for other people, mm-hmm. and we are not okay. We are not okay. And when we're not fair to ourselves, people can take obviously take advantage of us. Yes. You know, check this out. When people come to me and tell me that, oh my God, this person is so narcissistic. Now, I know that only two and a half percent of people ever meet the criteria for narcissism. So when people tell me that, I oftentimes think, how are, how are they fair to themselves? Because when they're not fair to themselves, somebody that might have some narcissistic tendencies may push on them, may ask them for things, may want things. And because they're always trying to be this helper, yes. always trying to do things, this person says, oh, mm. well, they well, always say yes. Like, like, and then they keep pushing more, and then you keep giving more, so they didn't keep pushing more, and then you're like, man, I'm always doing stuff for them, and they never seem to, to understand. They don't. You know, Albert Ellis said, never expect people to do for you what you can do for yourself. So if you assume that people, people will act in their own best interest. So if you assume that people will be fair to you, then you're sadly mistaken. Because if they don't have a consciousness to do that, Mm -mm. they're probably going to bend to their own interest and yours are going to be pushed aside. So when you can be fair to yourself, you you, you establish boundaries for people not to take advantage of you because not everybody going to step back and say, oh, I see I've been asking you too often. No. Well, uh-uh. and then, people you know, treat you how you treat yourself. Yeah. If you're giving it, they're going to take it and they're going to keep on taking it. Yeah. And if you've been identified as a person that they can always come to and say, and they can come to and you will say yes. When you say no, oh my God. Mm. Yeah, it's like Beyonce say, the first time I said no, it's like I never said yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good job. Good job. That's what I'm saying. Yes, exactly. So you got to maintain a routine. You got to get comfortable with being yeah. fair to yourself. Okay, okay. We can keep going on. All right, so we're fair. Mm-hmm. So we want to be fair to yourself as well, fair to others. So the A stands for no over-apologies. We don't want to apologize for having to decline a request or saying, no, I'm unable to make it to the baby shower or the wedding or, you know, I got to cancel movie night tonight. If you're not feeling well, give yourself that permission just to be tired. I don't feel well. That's the end of it. Now, I'm so sorry I'm sick. I shouldn't have ate such and such or I shouldn't have stayed out all night the night before. Whatever it is that we know that we can't do, we got to be okay with that. These are my limits. This is as far as I can go. So being okay with not overextending yourself, not apologizing for having feelings, not apologizing for being human. So the A stands for no over apologies. Yeah, so yeah, you don't, because uh, you always apologizing. You know, that, that's another thing. People will take advantage of that. Like, you're always wrong. You're always, you're always not getting it right. And, and, and that, mm-hmm. that feeds the self-defeating thinking that there's something wrong with me. If I gotta always apologize, I'm always having a problem. No. Sometimes you are where you are and you say no because of that. So don't don't apologize. Mm -hmm. We don't have to apologize. You you don't have to apologize about anything. So we can can, uh, validate our own feelings. 
when we invalidate ourselves, then the other person has that space to say, well, you can still come or you can still give, you can still do. But when we go in with confidence, I am unable to, I am not feeling well, or these are my limits. If you're at work and your manager asks, well, can you work a double or can you stay over an hour? And you know that you have to pick your children up from school or if you're tired, going in with that confidence to say, well, I'm unable to. And not saying, I'm so sorry I can't, I wish I could. No, I can't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. You know what? We talk a lot about validating self. Mm-hmm. You know, that is such a powerful thing, validating self. Because it sounds like it's my responsibility to feel good about who I am and to know my actions are good and, and, and to feel at peace with those actions. So... Somebody can't just come and take away my actions or say I haven't done enough and then I just feel like I haven't done enough. It's like, you know, this joy that I have, you know, the, you didn't give it to me. You can't take it away because it's, it's mine. I know what I've done. I, I know where I've walked. I know where I've talked. And you can't tell me that I haven't done enough. Please stop right now. <laughs> yes. I've done enough. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you can feel valid in that and so sometimes we do that with with people when it comes to doing doing things for them sometimes we we minimize ourselves and make ourselves small because we feel we look a certain way or we don't act a certain way but no we have to look at ourselves and feel good about who we are we have to understand that we are wonderfully designed and created and we Mm -hmm. are capable and we do every day really great things yes so I, I know, so I know we can move into, I'm going to let you go into the next part here because I was about to say something else, but I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Oh, here. Go ahead. No, but, but I know in your book you did, that was for youth, but you talked about affirmations and, and the importance of affirmations and people really starting to uh, validate themselves and understanding who they are every mm-hmm. day when they get up. Yes. You know, understanding, you know, I, I walk with a certain authority, you know, mm-hmm. that I, I am good and, and, I, and I, can, I can fail, but that doesn't make me. That only helps define my next success. Yes. Like just, just knowing that and just and believing in that. Because so much we get into this dialogue in our head and, and, and feel like we're always questioning who we are. Every failure, every, every sort of success, we, we never feel mm-hmm. good about who we are. So the constant need for that validation from somebody else versus looking inside and realizing, you know what? Whether I fail, whether I succeed, I'm still good. That's right. Absolutely. I made a mistake because I actually tried. Absolutely. Well, I love that. I made a mistake because I actually tried. That's right. Listen, tune in next time for the continuation of this episode.